everyone, welcome to Zonan Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. So, this episode, we're going to be looking at some of the new uh, shows for the winter 2016 season that are uh, streaming online right now with uh, with special guests Hazel and Bell from the popular webcomic Always Raining Here. But since every season seems to be bringing us some kind of terrible news about streaming in Canada, I think uh, we need to spend a little bit of time covering that stuff first. And uh, I've got Carl here with me to, to help out with that. What's up? So, Carl, I... I guess the first thing we need to talk about is uh is Crunchyroll. Yeah, that's uh it's not it's not good yeah, news. Yeah, no, not really. Uh at, by the time you listen to this, Crunchyroll's new policy for uh for Canadian users will be in effect. And if you haven't heard, basically up until now Crunchyroll has allowed free users to have unlimited access to their back catalog, with the only catches being that you uh you don't get HD and you have to suffer through a couple of ads. Well, that has now changed. As of February 1st, 2016, if you're a free user, uh your access to the back catalog has been cut off. Uh you can still watch new shows as they air uh each season for up to 13 weeks after they first become available. Uh but after that you have to have a premium membership uh, otherwise you're uh, you're cut off, or at the very least, you're living off of those 48-hour passes uh, that your friends give out. Carl, is it is it time to start hating Crunchyroll? No, no. like I mean, <laughs> I mean, in, even in Canada, it's it's. I think the bigger thing is this: is I wish they could have tried uh, more ads. Actually, yeah. well, according to their, I mean, according to their, uh, according to their announcement, the reason of course for this is is because uh, the plunging Canadian dollar and. Uh, Apparently, they've taken this measure because they felt it was preferable to raising the price of a premium subscription, which is still six ninety five Canadian per month or sixty dollars per year. So the price hasn't gone up, but they're introducing all these new limitations, uh, and and they're only this only applies to Canada. Interestingly, they they aren't doing this in any other country, which is in, which is kind of funny because we aren't the only ones with a crappy economy right now. Yeah, but I think they may have priced certain things in that uh, into those other economies that they may not have priced into Canada. Also, like I mean, we we're just taking it on the chin because we really are like we're just lockstep with uh, oil prices. I saw a graph comparing the two, and there's just no variance. Oh no, <laughs> they yeah. fit over the top of each other perfectly. So um, unless you know uh, there is something that. Uh, Makes oil expensive again. Like, you know, if someone wants to start a war, like, we'll be good and we can have free anime again. But until then, I can see where with the low dollar, like, maybe running more ads or getting more Canadian advertisers wouldn't made up the difference. So um, if it's an aspect of ha- blatantly saying we're rising the price of the people who are paying to subsidize the people who aren't, yeah, I can see where that may not be uh, as tenable as just cutting back access um and maybe canada is a small enough market that they're not really worried about the uh the piracy side effects of that though i would think that would be i would still think no money or slow money is uh or slow money is better than no money but uh maybe not Well, that's the that's the thing that i find interesting about this is that you know when when you read about this news the knee-jerk reaction from just about everybody is is oh i'm just gonna go pirate all my stuff now, uh, which I, I I have to say I don't think that's a reasonable reaction, especially considering that you know pro- probably a little over fifty percent of the new titles every season or like 
you know, for the last few seasons at least, you can you can watch that stuff on Daisuke for free. Uh, Funimation's uh, service is still going to have a lot of that stuff for free as well. And you know, there's a few things floating around on Viewster as well. Um, and but the and so you know, I I don't think that is a. I'm sure a lot of people will just use this as an excuse to pirate although i have to question why those people were not just pirating before to begin with and why they were why they were using crunchyroll it's a you know i guess everyone has different value judgments for this kind of thing well i guess it's like it's it's, it's an ease of use argument, yeah right it's like it's like well if they're going to provide it for free i'll get it legitimately for free if it's if i've got to go through the hassle of getting it illicitly for free uh i'm just going to do one thing because that's easier i want to put my effort into one yeah. spot I can kind of see that a little, but um, then I'd say then put your efforts into Daisuke and, and Funimation, especially since Funimation is getting so, so much of it now, and Daisuke has a lot of it as well. You're probably, you know, that, that should take care of you. And uh, if you're watching legacy stuff, yeah, you can bump 48-hour passes off friends. I feel like you can probably do the piracy as a last resort. Yeah. Um, Typically, but, my personal policy is that you know piracy or torrenting or, or torrenting at least if, when, when it comes to piracy I, I i like to encourage at least torrenting over using those pirate streaming sites because nobody yeah. really makes money well, off of torrenting whereas the streaming site people make profits off of them but um exactly. like like here here's my kind of take on this whole thing about why they opted to do this instead of raising the price uh is that they're obviously anticipating that you know a lot of people will go elsewhere, uh, whether they're pirating or going to different sites. Uh, but, you know, uh, for a lot of people who are just sort of teetering on the fence about whether or not they're going to get a premium subscription, a lot of them are going to are gonna get one now. This will be, you know, that final push for people who otherwise may not have gone for it. And I think, you know, within their business model, which relies so much on having premium subscribers, I, I yeah. think that, the you know, the few premium subscribers they will gain... Uh, the benefits from from those few premium subscribers, I think, in their eyes, outweighs the people that they will lose to either piracy or competing streaming sites. I have to imagine they've done a lot of math yeah. on this to like work out what is optimal. Um, if they're not, they should probably they shouldn't be getting as so much venture capital as there. Uh, <laughs> like, like they should be running the numbers on this and and making this a very data driven decision since they've got a lot of data to play with. Um, so I have to think that's what they came to decision was this is the if not the the a, a profit gain the least unprofitable thing to do and since that does directly feed back into the le- losing the least money for in the canadian market with regards to monetizing these shows which you know can obviously this has a direct one-to-one effect on how much more gets done in the industry yeah, I can. I, I, I'm, I'm sure this is something that they that they came to after a lot of thought. It's something I do hope that uh, you know they they they, they backtrack on. Well, that's the whole thing. Okay, is that if they raise the prices, it would be much harder for them to backtrack on that than mm-hmm. it is for limiting service this way. Because um, I could, I could see them going back on this in the future. Uh, whereas if they raise their prices, I don't. I I would have a very difficult time seeing them bring the prices back down ever. Uh. I don't know. The only the only thing with that is is that you could then turn on just buy your subscription in USD. Like if it like if it like if, yeah if 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 they shot up to ten dollars Canadian a month, and then uh, we're back to a comedically strong Canadian dollar. Uh, any Canadian with a, a lick of sense is going to then be like, "Well, you charge me USD for the US 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 subscription." 
It's going to be greeting cards all over again. Oh, Lord. And books. <laughs> and books, yeah. And Apple products. <sighs> no, I mean, in a sense, they're, they're avoiding that. Because even when the Canadian dollar was incredibly strong, there was a lot of stuff that basically never uh, found pa- uh, price parity, even though it was the exact same product being sold in both countries. I do have to say, electronics went way down in price when our dollar was stronger than the U.S. dollar. But they didn't. But they didn't go down to what they should. Not quite. <laughs> but you know, lots of. Well, I mean, I I, I worked in uh, in in audio video equipment at the time, right. and all like the new models that came out during those couple of years, they all plunged in price for like yes, for amplifiers and stuff. I, and whereas in the states, they didn't. They hadn't really changed. So. I mean, I mean, it's it's definitely a false assumption to say that that the prices of things don't change when the when the dollar goes up. Uh, lots of things do go down in price. It's just people tend not to notice a lot of those things. On, on the flip side, uh, if you, I was looking at the the forum thread on Crunchyroll's website, and that was sort of the reaction to this. And there, and it's, this news hasn't been reported very widely. I have to say, uh, Anime News Network did report on it but it was like buried underneath a bunch of like Crunchyroll title announcements they didn't apparently deem this to be headline worthy for some reason which i i found kind of interesting but like most of the, most of the reaction and and uh and detailing you get on this news is is on that forum post that they made on the Crunchyroll website and it, it's you know it's still going and there's a lot of there's a lot of conspiracy theory going on there uh a lot of people think that um this new setup is you know, it, it's like the McDonald's pizza. Canada is, is a test market for uh, phasing out unlimited access everywhere, which I think um, is may, maybe a little uh, a little extreme. I don't know. It would, it would be very interesting. Like, I mean, that, the thought crossed my mind. I won't yeah. lie that this is a a beta test. If, hey, this is a similar like they again, they can take a look at habits and they can say uh, Canada is a good average of our markets. We have a reasonable excuse to try it and we can try it but i feel like they've also been monetizing pretty strongly in the u.s with advertising like i feel like they're or and i feel like they're in a position where that's likely to uh continue in their favor but uh at the same time yeah they may just have hit a point where uh going more towards a a a netflix-esque model and it's letting because it's not like you get to like stream Netflix shows free. Like, anime fans are pretty, pretty damn lucky to be like, hey, here is a standard def, albeit, but huge library of stuff, and all you've got to do is watch ads. And it's like, yeah, YouTube, YouTube provides you that in a sense model, but very few things doing long form, you know, or or work intensive original content. Crunchyroll is a really unique hybrid. As far as streaming services yeah. go, it, it's like a common. It's like it's basically Hulu meets Netflix. There really isn't any other service like that. I, I guess one thing to still consider is the uh, the aspect of discoverability. Like right now, I know yeah. like a lot of people point their friends to Crunchyroll and hey, check check out all these catalog titles that uh, that are on here yeah. and older stuff, and you won't be able to do that anymore. And I think. I'll, that might lead to leading a lot or me, leading a lot of newbies to uh, to pirate sites instead. It's hard to, especially from the outside in, uh, looking in, but I'm maybe even from their internal metrics, depending on what they're how they're getting how they're figuring out what their conversion rate is of people who start with uh, just 
being referred there and watching stuff with ads to actual subscribers. Um, it's hard to have that. Hey, hey, check this, check this legacy title out. It's the one that's going to get you into anime. The Crunchyroll back catalog. I mean, that is the go-to for introducing people to, or, or, or new fans and stuff. And, you know, it also this kind of, you know, renews the whole argument in favor of, of having anime on television as well, because television can still serve that, that purpose of, uh, of discoverability and exposure. So long as they're running, so long as they're running good yeah. stuff. Like it's, it's, it's great to have that. One of the things that uh, streaming does definitely provide is that pinpoint, uh, you know, thing where it's like, for example, I had a friend, uh, the other day and they're looking, you know, they had seen on, uh, Netflix, Glitter Force, their kid had seen that and they're like, what else can they watch anime that's in this vein? And it was great to be able to simply just send them Crunchyroll links to stuff like Cardcaptor Sakura and, uh, you know, all the stuff that's in that vein. Just no, no chase, no extra subscription, just like, check this. Also, uh, did you notice the whole thing that happened with the Adult Swim website forwarding? Try to go to Adult Swim uh stuff and it would take you to just the canadian yeah the, for, it from canada. actually short, shortly before adult swim canada started airing rick and morty uh adult swim.com was uh and anybody who tried to visit adult swim.com from canada uh was rewar uh rerouted to adult swim.ca which is their honestly pretty awful website and it's awful not just because there are no streaming or video options on it whatsoever um, but this actually blocked access to everything that was hosted on AS.com. Uh, and I noticed that the, uh, the fish center people were definitely very, uh, very vocal in their complaining about this on the, uh, the Facebook page. Also, if you're not aware, I mean, you can actually watch, uh, title streaming on, um, on adultswim.com. Uh, a lot, many of the titles are, are locked down to cable subscribers, which means you can't access them in Canada. Uh, and these episodes are constantly, constantly move around. So trying to watch a whole show on there is kind of like playing a game of whack-a-mole. But you can access the stuff that's not locked down, and you actually, uh, you actually are able to uh, watch the Toonami live stream on there. Um, you're not technically we're not supposed to. There's a little notice on there that says U.S. only, but either somebody wasn't paying attention, isn't paying attention, or they're just kind of looking the other way, and you can't access it. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, if nothing else, there's also other stuff that they put up. Like, there's all the the music series releases, yeah. which I have to imagine the idea is is that they're gonna, you know, they're a free music release. So unless there's some really ridiculous fine print about, well, you get this music for free, but then we get to license to somebody else in Canada, which, to be fair, entirely possible. But I know that they're commissioning a lot of that stuff, lock, stock, and barrel. Um, yeah, it seems it seems kind of. Uh, weird to uh, make that stuff hard to get the at. The Toonami pre-flight with uh, Jason DeMarco and, and Gil Austin as well, where they do Q&A and behind-the-scenes stuff for the Toonami block. I mean, that's that's nothing that we'd ever get up here uh, either way. So, I mean, they were blocking access to everything. They did l- go back on it eventually. Right now, if, if you go to adultswim.com, if you go to the main page, it'll forward you to adultswim.ca, but if you go to any other page... Uh, like the Toonami page or the Fish Center page or anything, it'll, it'll it'll work now. It just feels like a really crappy kludge. Like, I feel like they could say, like, did you mean to go to adultswim.ca? <laughs> a little blob in there, a little pop-up. Like, when you go to Walmart. That's the opposite of how it's happening in other countries. Right now, Adult Swim, the UK Adult Swim and the Australian Adult Swim, they actually shut down their websites and their services just forward you to the Adult Swim website with just full access to everything now. 
Uh, like, the, I mean, the impression I'm getting is that Adult Swim is, might be trying to move forward to a model where, you know, you just, everyone internationally just watches their stuff streaming on that one central hub. Whereas the Adult Swim... I think, Canada, I think anything that they own outright, that's a way better way of doing yeah. it. Yeah. I, I believe, we, as we've talked repeatedly before about the podcast, this artificial balkanization of content uh, makes no sense. Uh, especially because it's like, well, how do you get ads for this locality to support it? It's like other that's other people's jobs. You 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 those services come to you and you take a cut and, of what they make for you. Like you don't have to. That's not you don't have to have an ad department trying to figure out how to sell ads in Russia. You, there's a company in Russia, an ad network that you can join and vet or some such like that that'll run the video ads you need. You know, you can get out ahead of this without having to. Put in effort, but but it's all on your. It's obvious that the reason they're doing this is because I'm I'm just assuming that when Teletoon or Adult Swim Canada licenses the Adult Swim content, they get the streaming rights as well, which is probably why they wanted to block the website. And I mean, thankfully they went back on it. But I mean, does this mean that we have to wait for Adult Swim Canada to launch their own streaming platform? Wait for that to just kind of go away, and then and then we finally return to this sort of everything centralized with adult swim us idea so it seems like a huge mess yeah well it'll be interesting to see i guess um so i mean you can access all the stuff there but uh although i will i will mention that as one one last bitter piece of irony uh toonami.com will still forward you to adultswim.ca that's just yeah. lame. like you and me this is something i'm hoping is like a real outside possibility which is they're doing new samurai jack of course coming up here it's gonna run on a on on adult swim tsunami probably it would be great if even if it's just for a half hour <laughs> yeah <laughs> give us a little taste <laughs> i i'm honestly i'm hoping that samurai jack might be the first title that they finally attempt a, a simulcast on because i mean they're i mean they're in the best position to do that because they don't have to catch up on anything everyone who will yeah. watch this is caught up the whole thing is aired they yeah. air it every night uh, yeah, and, and they get a, and they get a lot of it's getting it's getting better rotation here in Canada. Yeah, and they get a lot of great. Uh, you just see on their social media, they get a lot of really positive feedback just for running those reruns. So I mean, they really, I mean, they they they, they got to consider that one. The, actually, talk of the uh, the Adult Swim online streaming thing actually reminded me. Uh, ne- uh, as you probably heard, uh, Netflix is now starting to limit VPN access to their websites. So if you use a VPN taxes like us netflix or other international versions of netflix uh that's apparently no longer going to work uh not because netflix wants to do that of course but because they're being pressured to by uh by content licensors this doesn't really affect anime because the anime offerings on netflix are pretty much one-to-one as far as the u.s goes uh anything that's streaming there, anime streams here as well uh but uh, what i'm curious about is this going to affect the market for vpns because i mean they're a service essentially and like is the yeah they're also a service where it's like oh i need more ips oh wow it's oh man i'm gonna have to have scripts generate this stuff like i think they've got to make a big show of it but you know that uh the technical know-how inside of that organization i mean they're they offered uh with all this interconnect stuff to basically upgrade themselves and build the interconnects that would uh, allow for uh greater streaming uh, capabilities at major ISPs. So, I mean, this is deep, 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 uh, you know, top tier networking knowledge. They know that uh, if people want in, there are so, so many ways that they can make this happen. 
Um, and uh, if nothing else, the pressure that would come from them blocking less creative services uh, will bring out of the woodwork people who will uh, find ways to make this viable um, and effectively unstoppable. So they're doing, I, I mean, I have to think it's just, it's a show and they know it's a show and they know probably also that the content rights holders that they're dealing with are too stupid to know that it's a show. Um, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll cause blips. It'll cause hiccups, but uh, those who want content will find it. And again, if they're not going to be getting you quasi monetized through Netflix, um, you'll get nothing and it will be pirated. Um, and the people who are sharp enough to use a VPN are sharp enough to use uh, news groups and services like that. And the idea that you're going to catch somebody when it's all moving encrypted, uh, forget it. It's up. Gig is up one way or the other. Just one of these ways you at least made some monies a month. So, so, so what you're saying is my concern is unfounded. I think long term, it's unfounded. There may be hiccups, mm-hmm. but... The nature of it is, is okay. So you're gonna you're gonna block IPs. Well, it's, okay, that's maybe a problem with IPv4. We only have so many billion of those, but we're of course trying to move uh, the internet to IPv6, where you're talking, you know, more IPs than there are, I think, atoms in the universe or something <laughs> like that. This just isn't something that works. The internet doesn't work the, in this way where you can just magically keep people out of a spot because you've blocked one hole. The whole thing is Swiss cheese. A sponge, yeah. <laughs> Carl, do you know anybody who has an anime network subscription, like for Sentai Sentai's uh, anime network? I often forget that they provide that <laughs> for real talk. Yeah, because I mean, like uh, Sentai, like, do they ever get anything first run on that? They or do. Is it all they just they like have the stuff that they... a few things actually. Now, uh, well, okay, here's the thing. Up until now, as we said on the show before, uh, they never bothered to really set up any kind of ads. Um, ad structure for their Canadian streaming. So they just kind of let Canadians access everything for free, uh, like have subscription or premium access to everything. Uh, Cause I, I guess they, they, they felt the losses were minimal and uh, whereas in the States, everything was a Hulu embed, but they've changed their website. Um, no more Hulu embeds in the States, uh, regardless of whether you're in the U S or Canada or in the UK, cause they're in the UK now. Uh, everything is basically completely locked down and subscription only, um, apart from the first episode. They give you the first episode of, of shows for free, and that's it. Um, and they have three exclusive new acquisitions, uh, Nord 9, Girls Beyond the Wasteland, and Undefeated Bahamut Chronicle. Um, I know that these aren't major titles, at least not from anyone I seem to pay attention to, but that's three titles that are effectively not really available free in Canada. They are on Hulu in the States, though, so the States do get that um, that option. Uh, but, you know, I th- also I think of it this way. Usually in the past, they, they've worked with Crunchyroll or Viewster to ensure a free option for, for Canadians on those titles. Uh, and they also did for the UK as well. Um, but uh, the UK's in the same boat because they don't have a free option there either. They're kind of in the same situation. Uh, so, yeah, that's... Uh, that's a little unfortunate, I guess. I think it's a little too little too late, though. Like I'm just, I just don't see Sentai is so far back in the pack, <laughs> orders of magnitude. Back yeah, in the I, pack. I, but like I just, I just don't see it 
uh, I don't like. I mean, how much do they want a month for it? I, I think it's like seven or eight bucks or something. It's not a lot, but you know, I, I'm kind of amazed that they even did this update to it because I like I just can't see this lasting very long. I just don't. I just don't see them. They're going to have to have more than. They're going to have to have at least two or three titles a year for you to care about because otherwise, you can probably wait and just pick up a box set on the back end of the show that you actually cared about from them. And then you've also that's physical. That's 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 a fungible asset. You can resell that in a pinch. You know, it may increase in value if it goes out of print. Um, I don't. I just don't like. Honestly, again, having at least a standard death thing to try and entice people into your third, if not fourth position, uh, service would be really useful. Like you got to act like you need to be in the yeah. market. Well, I, I mean, at least at the very least they're making it available. I mean, even if they're offering a service that yeah. very few people are going to pay for, at least it's there and you have the option. Unlike, you can unlike it. with Viz where yeah. many of their titles uh, are not. Well, no, Viz, Viz and completely has decided they, they don't play a global game, which I think is, I, I mean, it's fine. Viz will continue to exist because of uh, manga, but as an anime player, like, yeah, they get away with it because they have some some nice big titles under their belt, but it's not. They're they're never going to be Crunchyroll. They're never going to be. <laughs> I Crunchy I would not uh, judge anyone for for pirating Viz content. I'll say that much. <laughs> wow, that's quite the that's quite the loss they're taking right there. Oh, also uh, one other thing. I mean, Funimation's launching their new streaming service, uh, like whole th- whole new thing up from the ground from scratch in in a couple of weeks from now. But uh, I mean. It took them, they had so many problems making sure that the free streaming worked in Canada um, yeah. before. I mean, I, I, like, are they going to have to go through, I wonder if they're going to have to go through all that again to try and get their uh, their free streaming option working through Canada, or if they just, you know, now that Crunchyroll has backed out, if they're just also going to say, you know, fuck it, we don't care. We'll, uh, well, we'll, 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 we'll do the same thing. Because, I mean, cause, you know, they say they're copying YouTube and Netflix, but... You like you know that they're 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 following Crunchyroll's example on more than a few things here. Yeah, finally getting Chromecast. <laughs> um, which man, like that was way longer than it needed yeah. to be. Uh, if they had had that sooner, I would have already had the subscription. Now I've gone without it so long that I'm not sure whether it's get adding it now will makes me care. Also, the subscription is now technically twenty percent more than it was because it's in U.S. dollars. Uh, their subscription right um, is in U.S. dollars. You're right about that. That's really unfortunate. Um, yeah, I mean, I have to wonder how many Canadians at the end of the year are going to, uh, you know, at the end of their their fun, Funimation subscription, realizing that the increase in cost, whether they're going to bother with it. Um, I don't think there'll be an issue necessarily with their free access to if, depending on how they've actually, you know, how much of this is a new coat of paint over the existing infrastructure. Um, versus just and it extending the existing infrastructure versus complete. Apparently, uh, it is rework, like from the ground up, entirely new. Uh, I'm sure. They've, yeah, they can say that yeah. a lot. Whether I'll be very curious to see what that really means in practice. Um, plenty of things can be from the ground up entirely new, and that yet they can still, uh, you know, ultimately they're handling handling a lot of legacy uh, information. So I'll be. It'll be very interesting to see how that actually. Uh, plays out but uh i if i were funimation i'd take a look at the fact that uh your other free uh actually backed for real competitor in your uh media space has bailed and then like well you know what 
we might be able to suck up a lot of that viewership, make our ads uh, on freezer on for free stuff more profitable, and uh, get get that monetization. Because especially once you factor, even with the conversion rate, uh, a year of subtitle, effectively subtitle only. I mean, yeah, there's a few dubbed shows on Crunchyroll, but it's whatever. You're buying it basically for subtitled content. Uh, versus subtitle only Funimation, that's a pretty, uh, pretty close in, in in price. And so, if you can kind of be the thing that people are familiar with and are already using regularly because they came in for free, and there's some real, real hallmark titles in that Funimation library that are the kind of titles that you'll refer new fans to. Um, not not Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood anymore. <laughs> Ooh. Besides that, yeah. uh. Yeah, the, the you know there isn't an you know though with Anaplex it's not like it's going to be super convenient to get at anyways. They're, they're just going to dump it all on Crunchyroll and Netflix. So exactly. Uh. And yeah, and will it be convenient anymore? No, because that'll be something that will quickly fade into thirteen weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just if I were Funimation, I'd take a look at this as an as an opening. I wouldn't look at this as an excuse to retreat. I look at it. You know what? We at least need to see if. They have made a blunder. Yeah. We need to make see see what we can do to to uh, eat that up. Uh, now that it's one person in the space, not two. Well, I guess there's some room for for optimism there. Uh, just so, just before we move on to the next segment, uh, Carl, any uh, any quick thoughts on the new shows this uh, this winter 2016 season? Uh, Erased is probably going to be one of those classics. Like if it keeps it up, like I think that's probably just going to be that's going to be in a lot of people's top fives. Uh, long term, unless they uh, bail on it, um, it's it seems like it's a solid season. Like I mean, there's some dumb stuff in there too. Dimension W is, you know, it was funny because I was on uh, ANN's, I was on ANCAST recently to to do a Outlaw Star retrospective, and Dimension W is very much in that vein. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's a show that I feel like. Um, it's more about being big, dumb fun than necessarily having anything of merit to say by all the action in it. And if it keeps that up, uh, like Outlaw Star, may never be anybody's number one favorite or it'll be very few and far between because there'll be other stuff technically in that genre um, that is much more substantively put together and has characterization that can, can have further weight. But uh, it will be something that ever, that nobody will not. Everyone will be like, "Oh, but it's that show. I enjoy it." Even even if they do stuff that doesn't age well, even if they do stuff that like is maybe outright cringeworthy uh, through the the lens of time, I think it will probably just hold up and be a fun show. It's the kind of show that I I think I think it's like if they don't if that doesn't end up on Adult Swim, somebody's messing up. I, I think because it seems like that's just built for the. I, I think the concern here might is you know that you brought up is that it might not age well i think that's a pretty a pretty legit possibility um because i mean it, you know we we talked about this show before and so like it wasn't until we got later in episode two that we stopped fo- fixating on what sh- what aspects of the shows were like other shows that were around in the early sure. 2000s and late 90s that early bubble period this is trying to be so hard to be one of those shows um it's trying, but it's but it but but it's succeeding like, to, to it's an extent. Yes. Yeah. Uh, here's the other thing: is is that I think there's a lot of people who have come who came into anime way after that. 
way, way, way after that, have only maybe seen the ult- the highest of the highlights from it. They haven't seen the more sort of grungy, raw stuff from that era. And Dimension W is going to hit them like, wow, this is a ton of fun. I found it didn't it didn't try very hard to make me care about anything that was happening. It, I mean, it was interesting. It was fun. Uh, it's the kind of thing where if it were on TV, I would probably watch it every week. But yeah, Bingo. that's that's that that's all. That's the end of the sentence. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you. It's all you actually need. It doesn't. Matter. <laughs> Let, let's hope for Funimation's sake that this doesn't wind up being like a gun sword or something. All right, Carl. All right. Uh, well, thanks for joining me for this first half, and we'll uh, we'll jump forward to the second segment now. All right, later. So we're going to spend the rest of this episode running down a few of the new shows, a few of the new anime titles for the winter 2016 season that uh, that we've been watching. And I brought a couple of guests on board to help me run through uh, through a few of these titles. Hi, I'm Belle. Hello, I'm Hazel. We make a weekly web comic called Always Raining Here. Like it's a BL comic. Yeah, yeah. So it's we kind of have a bit of an anime background. Yeah, when normal people ask me what it's about, I'm just like, it's a slice of life. It's a slice of life romance. Because I don't want to say romance because that's just I just feel like really strange saying that's a romance, but saying that it's a slice of life is fine. But it's actually a romance. But yeah, and and it's uh, and it's set in Vancouver too, is it not? Yeah, it is in Coquitlam. Oh. <laughs> It's really convenient because we could just drive around and take pictures of the backgrounds. <laughs> We've each been watching a few uh, different shows, and we're just going to kind of run down things that we liked and things that we didn't. Yeah, I've actually, you know, going through this list I made, I've been watching quite a few titles where the season started a few weeks ago, so I've had a little bit of lead time. One of the first shows to come out this season was the new uh, Kyoto animation show, Myriad Colors Phantom World. <laughs> uh, that sounds great. Have you? Are you familiar with it at all? I've seen the gift sets. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I, I, I'm pretty sure I know which one. Uh, the <laughs> yes, was... you probably do. I haven't seen it. Please explain. No. <laughs> are you? Are you being funny? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> yes and no. Okay. Have you seen Melon Pan? No. Okay. So this was one of the first the the first shows of the season premiere, uh, and the first episode made huge waves because of its. Uh, it had a very notable scene at the end where the one of the lead female characters, whose name I have not even bothered to remember, uh, is forced into a limbo competition. Wait, I think I saw that. You did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what if you did it? It was all over. Of course you saw it. Uh, and it's where, you know, she keeps going lower and lower, and then at the final stage, she has to, like, shake herself up and down so that her boobs jiggle, and she scoots under the limbo bar just as her breasts are at the lowest point. That sounds logical. Uh, it, it certainly fit into the show's internal logic, I can say that much. Uh, the, the show was directed by uh, Tatsuya Ishihara, who's the guy who's actually directed most of the, the Kyoto animation shows, like Haruhi and, and Nichijo, and most recently Sound Euphonium. Most of his past things have been you know, pretty fairly reserved in regards to things like fan service and sexual content. And this show seems like he's... He's finally he letting it. out. Yeah, he's finally letting out years of perverted frustration. <laughs> and he's just like, "Hey, all of you have been yelling about free, right? All the otaku are so frustrated that they made free, which has man muscles." Okay. And then they're like, "Look, we still love you." No, because they made that that. Uh, yes, they the, made the other the, one, the, a Maggie Brilliant Park, and that was a fan servicey show. Yes, so but those all came out after Free because otaku were crying. You think so? I don't that's, know. I don't know. That, that, that's actually a good point. They 
free did did kind of uh, start a new direction for them in a, in, in a sense. They weren't making shows like that before free. They were maybe I, kind of like the more quieter, reserved type, like middle schoolers and, and romance and nostalgia and like chaos and stuff like that. And, yeah. And Tamago Market. And then they did free. Yeah. If you watch like the free, com- per- the preview for free, yeah. the thing, that's pretty like not. It's not really over the top. It's not over the top. But then yeah. you watch free and it Episode is over one. the top. But it's not like otaku bait over the top. It's fujo bait over it's, the top. It's fujo bait over the top. <laughs> Which is complete with, with Sakura Blossom. It's a different kind of over the top. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, th- I definitely think that like Amagi Brilliant Park and like this one are, are a response to free. Yeah. Because Kyoni's probably just like, look, we're not leaving you to otaku. Was, yeah. was the otaku being betrayed by free thing something that was. Japan, or was that just like the tiny English fan base on the I, internet? That's just the impression I got from the English fan base. Yeah. But from what I hear, that was certainly a thing in Japan. I mean, I, I know we we all kind of live in our own social media bubbles, so I I don't actually see any of that firsthand. Uh, but it's it certainly sounds like something that was happening. Uh, if it was happening in the English fan base, it was certainly happening in with you know among the the denizens of of two channels as well. Point, yeah, <laughs> I sort of think of the four channels as being like this black area where it's like nobody actually thinks like this in real life but japan is the exact same thing (laughs) yeah yeah you read their translations of their posts and it's like it's like like this this is exactly like the same thing yeah Yeah. same people yeah you know that that type of uh japanese style anonymity breeds a certain kind of uh of of mentality and and even politics as uh as we've witnessed recently well, because two chan is really what right wing and nationalistic. Oh yeah, four chan or two channel. I was gonna say a certain sense of entitlement that an anonymity brings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there was that Republican strategist recently who mentioned that Donald Trump's fan base consists mainly of, uh, you know, childless adult men who masturbate to anime, and he's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> Because that's uh, that that makes up a good percentage of the of the, the whole alternative right thing. But anyway, just in regards to this one show, Myriad Colors Phantom World, I only watched the first episode, and oh. it seems that most people oh, only nice. watched the first episode because after everyone was talking about that limbo scene, like literally nobody has been saying anything about it since. I haven't heard a peep about this show, and really? I was I was kind of tempted to go back and watch one episode because. It's not. It, it's actually not bad. It was kind of funny how you know it, it's a it's a magic high school show, which okay. we we tend to get like three or four of every season, and every one of those shows always has a scene where you know the guy walks in on one of the female leads when she's in the shower and he falls over her and touches her boob or something like that. It, oh, it happens in every single one, and I mean this one at least tried to pretend that it was self-aware at least yeah, uh, i love that <laughs> was it an ln is it an ln oh it is such it, it is such a light novel it is the light <laughs> thing ever you know it does a thing where it's like oh you think you you think he's gonna fall and land on her boob but we're gonna have this you know it's gonna end differently and we're gonna have this elaborate you know scene where they're falling over and it keeps playing on your expectations and then the end result is that some entirely different perverted thing will happen uh, so yeah. kill any please <laughs> <laughs> uh another show i checked out that this is actually one i i uh, i just checked out the other night was active raid have you heard of that one 
No, I haven't. It's a new show from the director of Code Geass. There's really nothing to it. It's like Pat Labor, except all the characters are really pretty. It is from the same character designer who does uh, Food Wars or Shokugeki no Soma. That's quite popular right now. It, it's like one of your typical, you know, all these people in a in a uh, sort of public service policey kind of job. Uh, there are these new robotic suits that have hit i I don't think that they have become available to the public but people or criminals seem to be getting access to them and they have to like it looks like psychopaths meets tiger and bunny without Uh, the themes of each of those but it's it's kind of yeah the the promo art yeah the it it has that tiger and bunny gachaman crowds kind of design to the armors that people wear did they get that guy to design the armor? I don't know if it's from the the person who did it. Was it the same person who designed them for both those shows? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they if they got that person or not. I I uh, I, I didn't check that. I, I guess it's kind of like Psychopaths in the sense that it's sort of like a procedural, except you know, it, it rather than focusing on philosophical stuff, it just focuses on bureaucracy. Oh, my favorite. Yeah. So again, like like, like Pat Labor in that sense. Yeah. So in that way, it's more like Gatchaman Crowds and anything else. <laughs> I like how you picked out those two like shows to compare it against, too. It, yeah, it's it's filled with jargon. The story, I guess it moves along briskly. It doesn't dump a whole bunch of uh, world-building or stuff at you, but it's not really that interesting. Uh, so far, it seems like the character designs are pretty much the only reason anybody would watch it. Also, the main character, for some reason, keeps spouting out english phrases all the time that are they are actually usually grammatically correct and sometimes even appropriate for the context (laughs) um she i mean she's not like a english or american or canadian or anything like that uh and none of the characters ever seem to comment on this it's it's just a kind of bizarre i just looked up all the shows that this studio have done and i've never heard i've never seen any of them and that's not a good sign there looks like (laughs) the vast majority of moe shit here (laughs) Um, what else have they done? Um, Date Alive. Date Alive. <laughs> uh, Twin Tails Ni Narisatmasu. <laughs> oh, I've heard of that Japanese. one. <laughs> it's going to be forgettable. Well, you, don't, you don't know that for sure, but it's pretty It's probably going to be forgettable. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't really seem to be setting up anything interesting, but I don't know, we'll see. So uh, another show that uh, I was really looking forward to uh, was Dagashi Kashi. And I was really looking forward to it because it is ostensibly about candy, and I love candy. Uh, Really? Is it about candy? I thought it was about girls. Well, that is kind of what it's actually about. It's it's ostensibly about candy. The the main character works in his, like, family-owned traditional candy shop, and the idea is that each episode is broken down into little segments, and each segment kind of focuses on mythologizing a certain kind of candy that you buy in in, uh, older traditional candy stores you find in Japan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it it definitely does that, and they it usually does it in a way that I find is not like laugh out loud funny, but is pretty humorous and pretty entertaining. But you know, all the attention is going to the female characters in the show, of course. This show sounds interesting. It sounds like you need to know a lot about Japanese culture in order to like fully appreciate it. But- Sorry, they don't care about candy because <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of really traditional type candy there. And different types of food and stuff, and to having having some sort of backstory about the candy that seems like seems really Japanese. Backstory. Yeah, I, I don't think it actually requires a bunch of knowledge about Japanese candy going in, but you will you will learn about it. it, it you will learn about Japanese candy. Okay. Uh, so you know may, maybe it's actually more interesting to people who aren't 
culturally familiar with that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I know that they did one little bit on those Ramune whistles in I think episode two, and then I went down to the candy store at Aberdeen Center in uh, here in Richmond, BC. Uh, the other day, and they had those up front and center. I don't know if it was a coincidence, but you know, maybe 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 some places are capitalizing on this. I don't That'd know. That'd be interesting. But yeah, it's it's a pretty fun show overall. That's it. Yeah. What? That's the that's I, the show. I opened I opened up a <laughs> screenshot of the show. And I was just like, oh, it's and I'm, like, and I'm pointing at it, and she's just oh like, God. what? Why are you showing me that's this? That's not kid. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, this, the the main girl has been like all over the internet for like a month because people are anticipating her like figure so badly because she looks like a hentai character and i'm just like it's about girls and you're like oh that's cute it's about candy and i'm like (laughs) (laughs) pointing okay anyway i understand the backstory back to the backstory (laughs) well okay it's it's not it isn't important but her her father on like owns this candy company and they're trying to uh re- recruit the guy uh the kid the main character Kokonotsu's father into uh in- into sort of working for them but he doesn't want to leave and he and he he's insisted on keeping his like old-fashioned candy store going and then she just kind of keeps popping in all the time and they never actually talk about the actual plot of the show she just keeps eating candy and talking about candy and kind of fetishizing candy in this weird way and like it, it actually is pretty pretty cute in a way, but you know many of these skits are kind of set up in a, you know maybe this will end in a threesome kind of way. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I I do quite enjoy it. And then and then the other female character in it, she her family owns a coffee shop, so you know she revels and appreciates everything that is sort of bitter and the opposite of sweet. So it's got a, a kind of a fun little dynamic in that sense. Anyway, I'm 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 enjoying that quite a bit uh, i was a little frustrated because uh funimation picked this one up and it seems that whenever they get a show streaming it takes them like an extra three or four days to get it online mm-hmm. and i don't actually have a funimation subscription because well one their current app just totally sucks and two i don't <laughs> I, I i try to limit the amount of money i give to funimation because you know some of it will go to rick santorum so what is really? going on here like Marvel, so Funimation has donated. To, well, Funimation's president has donated for Xantor. Well, actually, no. Actually, I guess I guess you're not aware of this. Here's, here's the thing. About, here's the thing about Funimation is that uh, um, they are their parent company. Um, or sorry, so uh, the the owner of Funimation, Gen Fukunaga, he also operates a company called Echo Light Entertainment. Echo Light Entertainment is sort of Rick Santorum's brand of of like Christian direct to video movies. <laughs> but here's the thing is that you know funny's PR people do absolutely everything they can to make it appear that Funimation and Echo Light Entertainment are completely separate, but the reality is they are not only run out of the same building, but according to people who have left Funimation, they don't actually explicitly state this, but they blatantly imply it on social media. They actually, the offices are actually mixed and like inextricably tied together. Oh and my god! Rick, Rick Santorum apparently is in those offices very frequently. Why is this happening? So how does something like Dagashi Kashi mix with Christian values? Values exactly. What, what, <laughs> in a workplace setting. What, what I'm hoping is that you know there'll be some scandal that breaks uh, in the news soon where they like expose rick santorum as being involved with uh with okay. uh ho- with homoerotic swimming anime oh my god and- yes <laughs> or like this funny do strike witches 
Yes, they did. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Eroticizing our veterans. <laughs> Poor lollies. Of course, this, this is assuming that Rick Santorum actually believes anything that... Uh, that he spews out. I, I or sus- he even notices that two things are going on in one building. <laughs> he might not even notice. Is Santorum relevant anymore? Uh, well, according to the current Republican polls, he's polling at 0%. <laughs> <laughs> That's no. Yet, yet he's still <laughs> running. Supporters uh, went to Trump. I think it's probably the dictionary definition did a damn car on his name. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> So, what what have you guys been been checking out? I'll I'll give the spotlight over to you. Okay, we did a quick rundown of a, of a couple of anime. We didn't actually get to what, do what else we watched this season. Um, we, we've been trying to keep up with Haikyuu, um, but I know that was last season as well. There's the second curse finishing this season, and we started Osomatsu, but yeah. that's from last season as well, and finishing this season. <laughs> Osomatsu-san is always on topic on this show. Okay, okay. sure. <laughs> We could talk about the three episodes that we watched. <laughs> we watched the pilot. Yeah, and apparently a lot of people haven't seen the pilot, and so we got the chance to watch it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody made a stink about all the, the parodies in, in the original broadcast version of episode one. The result was that it got pulled down on every streaming service on Earth and uh, has been just wiped out. You can't get it legally anymore. Was that because of copyright, or is it just... It's because Japan has basically horrible copyright laws they don't actually have any like exemptions for satire or parody really yeah i guess that makes sense because whenever they do like parodies of things they always have like black bars over their eyes <laughs> yeah to like so you know that this is a it's basically like, like whenever they yeah. feel like it they'll take it down that seems like what maybe but in this case it was just it was it was it, an obvious parody but it was parody at the same time it, it's really arbitrary sometimes you'll see like blatant parodies sometimes people won't even dare try it i guess it, it just depends on how um adventurous the producers are yeah or how friendly they are with people that are parodying yeah we thought the episode was like it was hilarious it was great yeah do uh do either of you have a favorite matsuno brother yet uh you, you, you need more time i need more time i think i need more time i feel like everyone starts to develop their favorite like after like I, I really haven't looked at. I can't look at them and be like, "I love you." <laughs> I just see. I see at Beatles Muppets. Before we, yeah, we. It was just like Muppets. I still see. And Muppets. it was like, how does everyone get inundated into the Muppets? It's still a mystery, but we're gonna keep watching. So yeah. you're you're still not at the stage where you can tell them apart yet. Uh, you can start telling them apart by okay. personality. Yeah. You can like, tell them apart by color. You can tell who the juicy is because of his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and his mouth. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> we watch Sucko Boys. Sucko Boys. That's pretty great. Yeah, it, the gift set of the girl freaking out about art school really—it really hit home with me. I think so. Yeah, the, I think that just showing the art school experience, like the twenty seconds that she was in art school, was really interesting because a lot of the time when you see Japanese students, you just see like the prim and proper high school uniform type thing, but then, and usually they don't dye their hair or anything like that, or if it's an anime, you get, like, the blue hair obligatory stuff going on, but she had, like, purple streaks in her hair, and she was wearing crazy clothes because she's in art school. It made you realize how often you never saw that sort of character design. Yeah. She looked yeah. like a, a Western art school student, which made me realize that it's more like a universal art school student. Hazel, how well in those, you know, since episodes, each episode is only six and a half minutes long, but uh, how how well did they capture the art school kind of experience in that limited time? 
Um, nothing like art school here because they don't <laughs> actually make you do art here. They make you think about art. Right. I don't think I encountered like one sculpture in four years of art school of art school here. But the thing that but did get you was... There's a reason why Japan is full of artists who can draw. <laughs> and why we are, like, making, like, weird do- doodles and... I don't know. Well, they really put they really put skills to the test there, I think. It's a lot about theory. Yeah, a lot of theory. theory. You mean here or there? I mean, here. Yeah, here is... Yeah, and there's more like they teach you how to draw. Unless, like, draw what you want. It's more like this is how you draw. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in the first episode, the idea is that she was forced to uh, draw statues uh, all through her art school career, and now she's moved on to a career, uh, a, new, a new career as a um, as a manager for uh, for for musical groups, and she's excited to finally break away. And although in surprise, the entire premise of her of those first few minutes was just a setup for the fact that she's now going to be manager for. A, an idol group composed of these statue busts. Uh, but it's really funny. Uh, I don't think a show like that could sustain itself for more than six and a half minutes. But <laughs> that's that's the great thing about these short shows is that they just you basically take these super absurd premises and uh, and just you know basically get as much mileage out of them as they possibly can with just simplistic situations that last for like two to, to seven minutes or something, and yeah. it works. It doesn't feel like a super short show. It feels like you watched a like half an episode or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And technically, you did. <laughs> um, but uh, after watching like Osumatsu and like Seko Boys, it really hits home how like big the idol thing is there. Yeah, and they like, both opened with like, idols. Yeah, they both opened with idols, and like they're parodying idols. Mm-hmm. And it's just like uh, they they're just, they're just like inundated with idols there. They're saturated with idols. Like when we went to Japan, there was the level of movie was coming out, so it was idol everywhere. It was and crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, the fact that everyone's referencing it means that it must be like at a high right now or something. Or maybe people are just getting sick of it. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, there's like this is Japan's way of sort of critiquing idols a bit. I'm not really sure. <laughs> well, I'm not. Psycho I'm not so sure that. about that. Yeah. Second voice is definitely like. Look how, look at these, I, I don't know. More like, I think it's more along the lines of, we know what makes money, it's idols. Yeah. So just sell it with idols. As long as you present them as idols, everyone loves idols, here you go, here's your statues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like, Osamatsu, here's your Showa era, like, Muppets. Yeah, Muppets. <laughs> as idols. <laughs> they want to make fun of it, but they only make fun of it to the extent that they can still make a ton of money off of it. Exactly, because it's what sells. It's like they all sit in a meeting room, they're like, okay, we have this concept, how can we make it sell? Idols, and they take it over time because it never work. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely how the first episode of Oso That's, felt yeah, yeah. to me. It was like it was like conversion therapy. It was like, <laughs> you like this, now you like this. <laughs> you like idols, now you like puppets. Yes. <laughs> what other uh, shows have you guys checked out? We are watching Erased, which is the light novel anime no manga it's a manga isn't it it's a manga yeah it definitely had like a light novel kind of feel going on it didn't feel like something that had a source material when i was watching it so i was really surprised when i did and i was really surprised it was a manga of all things because it felt like a light novel the the whole time travel thing is very light novel-y it's definitely not an original concept but i mean what what really sells it is the execution i mean it has it has you know it's fair share of cliches i mean the main character is 
it, like is a manga artist, which yeah. you know is usually the type of thing that would cause me to check out immediately. Well, other, then again, yeah. the the main character of Degashi Kashi is also a uh, aspiring manga artist. It's like manga artists don't know what other experience to draw from. Well, it's like you write what you know. In the first episode, we were like... Oh, you were complaining about him in the first episode because he was like, oh, I'm so down on myself. I don't... I, everyone I'm, rejects me. and just like, I'm kind of tired of the self-insert protagonist. Yeah. He's just really bland and yeah. complaining about everything yeah, for no reason. It goes away really quickly. Yeah, it was better when at the end of the episode. Yeah. yeah. And, and he, of course, has a high school girl pining after him. Yeah, that was kind of... Strange. Yeah, that was uh, Japan. I, I thought the way they handled the female characters in general seems like it seemed really well done, though. So I'm, I don't have any complaints. Like she seems like a good character. I don't know. A lot of the times when you have the high school girl that is like lusted after the main character, she's like a two dimensional character. But the girl seems kind of interesting. And she she has depth, and and to yeah. be honest, I was kind of thankful that she wasn't in middle school. <laughs> and uh, the mother's a really good character in that show. Yeah, she well. is. It handles its time travel in a you know, a, a really well-realized way. I, I think it really focuses on the impact it has on him and the, with the way he reacts to it, especially mm-hmm. in the second episode when he, he flashes back to his childhood, just the way he interacts with, with people and, you know, his mother and and situations and his and his experiences as a child and kind of reflects on them as an adult, I thought was was really uh, was really well was really well realized. It has a really strong nostalgia feel towards it that you can sort of relate to, mm-hmm. especially with a deal with the kids yeah japan seems to handle childhood nostalgia like really well yeah Every, everything about the school seems really real and everything about the neighborhood seems real and the other kids that he's talking to all the time and his own like uh struggle when it comes to i can't remember anything what was going on in this situation how is this important i don't know when what happened here and this is he's he's working t- to find something basically and he, and he can't figure out what's important and all the video game references are of course absolutely completely accurate for yeah. the time that the that the episode said as well yes it's in 1988 so yeah, yeah it, it definitely has like a mystery feel and you're like i want to know what's going on yeah. and yeah. they give you those little hints here and there like the people's yeah. eyes yeah the, the red eye yeah, thing the red eye thing is a thing you should watch out for yeah i don't know if you how many times you caught that so far really enjoyed it so far with such a strong start, it would really have to drop the ball hard to... Uh... You've seen that happen before. <laughs> yeah, I have seen it happen before. <laughs> Another really great show this season, and I, I was I was really hoping you guys would have a chance to check it out, and you, and you definitely should. It's Showa Genroku Rakugo Shinju. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a show about Rakugo, which is sort of this really unique kind of archaic form of, of Japanese stand-up comedy. The idea is that the main character has just been let out of jail... And but while he was in jail, he started to you know get involved with with Rakugo, and he find and he tracks down uh, one particular Rakugo artist that he that he really admires, and he basically begs him to let him be his apprentice. The original manga of the show was based on it's a Jose manga. It was done by Haruko Kumota, who is a BL manga artist, mm-hmm. uh, and that really really shows when you watch this <laughs> when you watch the show because these. There's quite a few male characters in this show, and they definitely really cherish each other's friendship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or, or really, really cherish their relationships with each other. What, what I found really interesting is that there's actually a female character as well, and none of the male characters at any point show even the remotest sexual attraction to her whatsoever. I thought, I thought she won. I thought she would win. <laughs> This is based on the first couple of episodes, or the first episode. And it's not necessarily a problem, it's just, you know... When you've got, like, all these other anime that you're watching and have girls in them, and they sort of, like, 
Force of Romance somewhere. It might be kind of a bit refreshing now, something that doesn't, but it's just because it has ulterior motives, ultimately. <laughs> yeah, and, and this this definitely shows they start doing a, a flashback in the second episode and about the master and and his relationship with the the girl's father. And mm-hmm. whether you're looking for that or not, it's a really compelling period drama. It's set in the 1960s, Showa era. Yeah, it it does it conveys the like sort of the intricacies of this art in a really a really compelling way uh it's really well done character drama the first episode is like double length 45 minutes and it it uses this chance to get like full rakugo acts put in which is which is probably why it had that longer length i, I thought that every episode was going to be double length which would have been a first uh that's not the case but uh it's still you know it moves along really briskly the animation is really good uh yeah i i Studio dean Studio Dean, yeah. The animation's good? Uh, I, I found it to be good for the first two episodes. Huh. I mean, there's not a lot of action, of course. Only Dean will animate stuff that's targeted towards women, unfortunately. <laughs> is that is that really the case? Uh, you should go check. They've done a lot of shoujo and BL stuff before. They're yeah, like, they, whenever there's a BL anime that comes out, it's Dean, usually. Which is kind of unfortunate, but Dean is all we have. I don't think it's going to be a BL, but... No, it's, it's not. It's just, like, it's just the... kind of sad that other studios don't really, like, branch out, and Dean is forced to, like, pick it pick it up. I mean, the show is all subtext, and... Totally. I mean, as far as BL anime goes, I mean, they're u- aren't they usually subtext most of the time? Most mm-hmm. mo- Usually explicit stuff doesn't seem to, to make it to the well, airwaves a lot. The thing is that BL anime doesn't really exist, and if it does exist, it's not any good. So I think that's pretty much it for the good stuff. Uh, did you guys check out anything else? We were going to watch Prince of Stride, but we didn't watch that. Well, I was kind of interested in that. That's like a... I was, it was described to me as like handsome boys parkour. Yeah. Slash Tomei. Oh, Tomei parkour. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like something they'd try. Uh, I didn't check out that one myself. Oh, okay. Uh, but I did, I did see uh, a couple of... Well, I think that they're stinkers anyway. Uh, one was uh, Schwarz Marken. Oh my god, this this show is just crap. It perfectly embodies that overlap between moe girls and war fetishism that I just really hate. In uh, yeah. There's been a lot of that lately, hasn't there? Well, yeah, well, this show is set in, like, an alternative, or an alternate 1980s East Germany uh, and features this TSF squadron. Uh, and they uh, they fight terrible looking CGI aliens. It, everything is really grim, dark, really over the top. And the first episode plays up all these concepts with with just total absolute sincerity. Uh, <laughs> it, it tries so hard to be dark and edgy. They kill one of the cute girl characters, you know, just to prove it. Uh, another girl has PTSD and is sent to fight regardless. Uh, they acknowledge that as a as a dumb move in the show, but you know it's still obvious that they're you know, actually doing it in the show for, for exploitative reasons. The the whole thing kind of reminded me of that segment of Too Many Cooks, where it turns into, uh, like, a cheesy 1980s sci-fi drama. Like, I almost expected, like, a narrator to, to come in and start talking about cy- cybernetic operational optimized knights of science fighting the beast rebels of the hellscape. The, the entire thing is a prequel to the dating sim uh, series Muv Love. And... <laughs> Which I was is- going to say, because I just looked it up and I just saw Muv Love. <laughs> I was like, oh no. <laughs> There's not a shred of irony to be seen in regards to that either. I mean, I've seen worse looking shows. I guess 
for what they're going for, it's competently animated, despite the fact that the, the CGI aliens are just awful looking. But man, this show is just a mess of everything I hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, there was another one I really hated. Now, th- this has actually been one of the more popular shows from the season and probably one of the more notable ones that's streaming on Funimation. But uh, Grimgar of Fantasy and Ash involves a group of modern teenagers who find themselves in a generic RPG-style fantasy world. There's no specific indication that they've been sucked into a video game, but it embraces the exact formula and tropes of the shows where that does happen. And it is based off of a light novel. It is wow. so light novel. I know there's a lot of appreciation for the, the like the visual style of the show. It just it doesn't work for me at all. Yeah, I, I found it just to be a, a huge bore. I actually thought it was more unwatchable than, than Schwarzmark and at least Schwarzmark <laughs> you could laugh at while you're watching it. This was just a chore to get through. But mm-hmm. I can see why some people would like it though. You know, regular standard fantasy stuff, regardless of circumstances, is gonna appeal to a to to a lot of people. So yeah. Armor where girls don't wear any pants. Yep. That's this genre. <laughs> Thigh highs. Thigh highs work very well. Mm-hmm. With armor? They never fall down. No. Uh, well, okay, I think that pretty much wraps us up. Uh, where can people find you guys? We have our webcomic, which is on the internet. It's called alwaysrunninghere.com. Just Google it or whatever. You can probably find it pretty easily if you're interested in it. We are also on Twitter and Tumblr. Please don't follow my Twitter. <laughs> the more people follow my Twitter, the more guilty I feel about shit posting. All right. Well, Hazel, Bell, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. you. Good talking to you, too. Thanks for having us. Yeah. All right, that's it for this episode of Zonan Canada. Big thanks to Carl, Hazel, and Bell for coming on. If you want to contact me, you can find me on Twitter at Zonan Canada or through email at zonancanada at gmail.com. There's also a Facebook page. Just search for Zonan Canada. The theme song is taken from Carl's LP, Packet Flood, which you can purchase at his website, ultraclystron.com. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave a rating or review if you have a chance. If you want to support this show, please recommend it to anybody you think might be interested. Well, until next time, see you again.